1: We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom, and it's a great day in the Lord. Let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we love you, we praise you, we honor you, we give you all the glory. Lord, this is a tremendous day, as each day that you give us is a tremendous day. Lord, help us to truly have the heart of Messiah as we go about our business this morning. Uh, Let us see people compassionately, let us Share the love of Messiah, and let us have great joy. So we bless you, we thank you, and praise you. In the name of Yeshua, amen. So a quick report. Back on the last two weeks of Gasparilla, we had many good conversations. We had them with Jewish people and those who are not Jewish. Uh, We had one salvation. We had approximately given out 3,500 tracts. And lots of seeds planted. Um, and did you miss not coming with us? Hey, next time. It doesn't have to be just Sharesh David people. We'd like church people there, too. Okay. Well, we'll let you know the next time we go out. Maybe you'll join us. Yeah. Let's continue with our study in Romans 9 through 11. So get a pencil and paper out so you can take notes. If you have any questions, you can email me at rabbi at heartofmessiah.org. If you'd like to help us with pain for radio time, please call Karen at 813 So just a, a, a quick overview of some of the things we've already discussed. Romans 9 through 11, it's key to understanding Paul's heart, God's heart, and the importance of Messianic Judaism in these days. From... These three chapters, we see, without a doubt, Messianic Judaism is part of God's plan. We've discussed the intensity and passion that Paul had for his people, even after being physically and emotionally abused by them. He was willing to lose his standing with God and his very salvation just to see them saved. And also, Paul's letters are all about teaching new believers, mostly not Jewish, right, what they need to know to be successful disciples of Yeshua. He devotes three chapters of Romans to help these non-Jews understand the Jewish people and their role in the kingdom, past, present, and future. He also helps Jewish believers to understand their identity in Messiah. So, after understanding these chapters, I'm. my prayer is that whenever you find any kind of anti-Semitism, be it Christian or otherwise, you should condemn it. And every claim that Jewish people um, are not supposed to receive the good news, that has to be refused, right? Okay, so these chapters are critical also to the Christian faith because God's faithfulness to the Jewish people encourage Christians that he'll also be faithful to them, right? To you. Yes. So, it's also very remarkable of how many of the Hebrew Scriptures are mentioned in these three chapters of Romans. So, that's why you need pen and paper as we're going to go now to Romans nine fourteen, What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For to Moses, he says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the one who wills or the one who strives, but on God who shows mercy. Okay, so this scripture might be confusing to some of some people, but look, it's it's a quote really of Exodus 33:19 where it says so he said, "I will cause all my goodness to pass before you and call out the name of Adonai before you. I will be gracious to toward whom I will be gracious and I'll show mercy on whom I will be merciful." So look, the definition of mercy is receiving compassion and favor that you did not deserve. The dictionary says mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mercy is God's favor on us, regardless of what we have done, whether it be good or or bad, because God's mercy is a gift. God is never less than fair with anyone, but he fully reserves the right to be more fair with individuals, that he chooses, right? And where do we see this? We see this again in Matthew 21 through 16, right? In the parable of the landowner. You know it. The uh, landowner hires people all throughout the day for one denier, or denieres, and You know, at at the end of the day, the person who started early in the morning and the person who started late in the evening got the same pay. So the guy early in the morning said, "Hey, what? This isn't fair. I worked the whole day for the same thing that the other fellow worked one hour." And and the point is that the landowner, as he is the owner, he can give to people what he wants, and he gave them what they had agreed upon, right? So God is similar to this, and, and even at the end of this parable, it says, so the last will be first and the first last, and, and we see a concept here that God can be gracious to whoever he can be gracious. In fact, we should not regard God's mercy as our right, right? You know how people are walking around thinking everything is there right now, you know, that, that people should uh, just be a certain way. But God is not obliged to show mercy. Then it wouldn't be mercy. It'd be obligation. So no one is ever unfair for not giving mercy. God's mercy is simply out of his desire to show mercy. So how do we apply this principle when people do things that frustrate us or they don't live up to this, their side of an agreement or they do things that hurt us? We should use what we've learned from God about mercy. Give it to all the people we're in touch with. That's how you are able to forgive. Forgiveness is a form of mercy, often given Not because others, somebody repented or made something right, but just because you are big enough to give it, which is, by the way, why God is merciful, because he's big enough. (laughs) Mercy is an incredible godly attribute that God showers on us and and we are to shower it on others. Our giving of mercy brings glory to God. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? God also receives glory for keeping his covenant promises with his Jewish people. But God receives glory for giving all of us his mercy, which is easily seen in Romans 5, 8. You know it. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. We have to understand who God is when we make him first in our life. And I love the scripture uh, in Deuteronomy 32, 4, which says, the rock blameless is his work. Indeed, all his ways are just God of faithfulness without iniquity, righteous and upright is he. Now, listen, this uh, understanding that God is the rock is very instrumental in, in the book of Romans in what we're discussing. And we so remember this scripture, uh, this beautiful description of the Lord, because it's really talking about Yeshua, the Messiah. OK, uh, don't misunderstand God's attribute of mercy, by the way. We don't want to have a false hope of God overlooking punishment for our sins, right? (laughs) That is a wish of many. But that is not the truth because Yeshua the Messiah combines in himself God's perfect justice and his perfect mercy. That's why Paul quotes Exodus 33, 19 in answer to a question about God's justice, thereby placing God's mercy alongside it. So let's continue with Romans 9, verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh... For this very purpose, I've raised you up to demonstrate my power in you so my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So he has mercy on whom he wills and he hardens whom he wills. Now, let me just say that if that's the case. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about it in a second, but just remember that line that he hardens who he wills and he has mercy on who he wills, because I I think that easily would make you think that everything is predetermined, right? But we'll talk about that in a second. This is also referencing Exodus 9.16. However, I have let you stand for this reason, to show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed throughout all the earth. Israel's rejection of Yeshua, like Pharaoh's rejection of Moses, provided circumstances for God to demonstrate his power through an act of deliverance, right? Right. Israel's self-will, like Pharaoh's, ends up serving God's merciful ends, And Israel's deliverance was made known through the Torah, the Tanakh, the, the Hebrew Scriptures, and Passover. And Messiah's death and resurrection are made known by the new covenant and the commandment for us to share our faith. God allowed Pharaoh to rise to power so that God would show the strength of his judgment against Pharaoh and thereby glorify himself. So let's go to this question now. And here here it is. Make believe you're Pharaoh for a second, right? (laughs) And he might say, if God hardened my heart, why does God blame me for having a hard heart? (laughs) Okay, a reasonable question. And we really don't get an answer to that. However, we get some very penetrating questions that come up in the next few verses. So let's look at that. In verse 19 of Romans 9, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault who has resisted his will? But he who in the world, I'm sorry, but who in the world are you, O man, who talks back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me this like this? Does the potter have no right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honor and another for common use? So, what are we seeing here? If it is a matter of God's will, why would he find fault with me? How disrespectful. If God says he chooses, and if God also says that we are responsible before him... Who are we to question him? The creator has the right over his creation, though we won't discuss it now. Just know that, as I said before, Romans 9 is a great example of God showing us two truths that we will never, never understand. That is predestination and free will. Predestination and free will are only able to not be competing ideas in God's kingdom. God understands how they both can be part of his truth. We don't and we won't understand. You know, there are many scriptures that tell us that we cannot tell God what to do as he is the potter. We see it in isaiah twenty nine sixteen we see it in isaiah forty five nine. We see it in Jeremiah eighteen six, which, just as an example, says, "O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Behold, is the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel." And when we're dealing with the predestination and 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 free will issue, even the Talmud, which is, as you know, a Jewish commentary on Scripture, Rabbi Akiva writes, all is foreseen and free will is given. Think about that. All is foreseen and free will is given. So, you know, as an example, we, we see that God does certain things where like he hardens Pharaoh's heart and yet he also gives lots of choices probably one of the greatest scriptures of choice is in the Hebrew Scriptures is Deuteronomy thirty nineteen and twenty. I call the heavens and the earth to witness about you today that I've set before you life and death, the curse, uh, the blessing, and the curse. Therefore, choose life so that you and your descendants may live by loving Adonai your God, listening to His voice, and clinging to Him. Okay. Romans 9, 22. Now, what if God willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known endured with much patience vessels of wrath designed for destruction? And what if he did so to make known the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory? Even us, he called not only from the Jewish people but also from the Gentiles. So what does this all mean? Look, I think it's saying if God chooses to glorify himself through letting people go their own way and letting them receive his wrath so as to make his power known, who can oppose him? If God desires to make more than fair with others, to be more than fair with others, showing them his mercy, who can oppose them? If if God wants to show mercy to the Gentiles as well as the Jews, who can oppose him? Paul does not say that God has designed anybody for destruction. We, we do an adequate job on our own, you know. He says, What if? Okay? Now, continuing with Romans 9, 25, as he says also in Hosea, I will call those who are not my people, my people, and her who was not loved, beloved. Now, in this verse, there is an argument going back and forth between many people as to who is being spoken of. There is one line of thought that this is spoken of Gentile people. Um, and the other is that this is talking about the people of Israel who are not believers. So let me read it again, and I'll let you figure that out. As he also says in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people, and her who was not loved, beloved. And it shall be that in that the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Now, Hosea two one says, "Yet the, again, it was a quote from there, yet the number of B'nai Israel or the children of Israel, will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. Instead, you are not my people, being said to them, they will be called children of the living God. Okay, and and these pass, you know the passage in Hosea shows mercy. It, it, it look God told the prophet Hosea to name one of his children Lo Ami. And that's the Hebrew. In the English, it says, "Not my people," <laughs> and and that's done in Hosea one nine. Yet God also promised that this judgment would not last forever. One day, Israel will be restored and once again be called the sons of the living God. And in Hosea 2.23, it says, so it will be in that day I will respond. It is a declaration of Adonai. And then in verse 25, it says, I will have compassion on Leruhamah. I will say to lo you are my people, and they will say, my God. So I believe that the book of Hosea, which is specifically referring to is specifically referring to Israel. And so I believe that this phrase also refers to the portion of Israel who did not believe. So they were not God's people, but God would change that in the future. And thus we have messianic judaism but i also believe that obviously that the non-jewish people were coming in too so so in a sense that particular scripture in romans i think is for both groups continuing with romans 9:27 isaiah cries out concerning israel Though the number of the children of Israel be as sand of the sea, only the remnant shall be saved, for Adonai will carry out his word upon the earth, bringing it to an end and finishing quickly. And just as Isaiah foretold, unless Adonai Tzevaot had left, or or the the Lord uh, God of hosts had left us seed, we would have become like Sodom and resembled. Gemara. So we, and by the way, he was quoting Isaiah. 10.22 10.22 there, which you can read, and Isaiah 1, nine, which you can also read. And so we understand here that Sodom and Gomorrah were completely destroyed in judgment. And so this quotation is, is saying that as bad as Judah's state was because of their sin, it could have been worse, and they will survive, a remnant will survive. Even in the midst of judgment, God showed shows his mercy to the people of Judah. Now I'd love to continue on with Romans 30 because this is a key scripture for 30 to 33 as we end Romans nine. Uh, Verses 30 to 33, but we're going to have to wait till next week. Please come back. Please ask your friends who are studying scripture to come and and listen to Romans 9 through 11. These are key scriptures having to do with what God wants us to know in these days. Amen? All right. So, we'll start next week with that uh, but as i said tell you the people you're in bible study with to listen and, and we, we're going to have a great time. It's going to take us a couple months to get through Romans 9 through 11. You can also get a copy of this teaching and all my radio teachings at shereshdavid.org. Click under Ministries, then click under Heart of Messiah Radio. That brings you to a page where you can select from the archives uh, of, of my teachings. And for those of you who'd like to send a gift... uh, To keep us on the air in 2018, please call Karen at 813-831-5673. I pray that God has touched your heart and that you would grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. So let's close in prayer. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King.
0: You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.